quite unusual. Hello and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. I'm Elizabeth Holmes. Just kidding. I'm Nicole. Whoa. I thought for a second you were Elizabeth Did you? Did you respect me more? I Because your voice was was lower. It's because it was lower Mm -hmm. that I respected you more. Did you think that I could possibly have a nine billion dollar business um for a moment i looked in your eyes and i saw mm. in your pupils an exciting opportunity <laughs> and i knew that i was just going to give you all the money that i had you should and i didn't even care if whatever you were trying to sell me was approved by the usda was it convincing it was wildly convincing okay good i'm just, I'm just trying it out you know it worked for elizabeth maybe it'll work for me say something else try to convince me of something in your regular voice in just tell me something. Tell me to do something. I have an exciting opportunity, and I want you to give me... <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I actually got to go. How about now? Whoa. What, what was that you were going to tell me about? I have an exciting opportunity. Where do I sign? See? Boom. Take my money. Done. Take my money. Take Done. my shirt. I'm taking my shirt off right now. Take everything Everything you want from me. <laughs> yeah, so if anyone uh, hasn't guessed, we've been watching a lot of The Dropout on Hulu. And it's been an exciting opportunity. It's been very exciting for us. You do such a good... I can't do it. (laughs) I feel like it's got to, like, pull back in my throat, like... You gotta... Elizabeth. I can't do it. Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. Do you respect me? I respect you so much right now. How much on a scale from one to Elizabeth Holmes? About a nine. That's respectable. (laughs) We're doing the rest of the show in this tone. So that people take us seriously as podcasting professionals. So if you want to stop listening now, now is your chance. No, they're going to keep listening. Do you know why? Because they respect us so much. You guys respect us so much right now, don't you? It's unbelievable. Mail your checks, okay? Make them out to Quite Unusual Inc. You know what? Make them out to cash, okay? I was a little weak on the cash. Uh, cash. Was, I don't even know what just jumped in in that accent. That was a little ease. Yeah. <laughs> that was my <laughs> killy voice. That was my killing voice. <laughs> Anyways. Uh... Anyways, welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. Oh. We've got an exciting episode. Wait, we're your hosts. Oh, I already said that. Did you? you I'm said Nicole. You... No, you said you were Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> I'm Nicole, not Elizabeth Holmes. Nicole, quote, Elizabeth Holmes. And that's Noelle. That's in case me. you guys are just new here. Sunny Balwani. <laughs> Sonny Belmonte to my Elizabeth Holmes. I'm bankrolling this bitch. <laughs> you are. You are. So, yeah, we have an exciting episode for you guys about weird cheese selected by <laughs> Noelle, obviously. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you so much for humoring me oh, and letting course. me do a weird cheese episode. Of course. Because, as everyone knows, um, a solid. Oh, I'm going to be conservative here. Mm-hmm. Just a, like a super conservative low number. So 80% of my diet is cheese. Yeah. I mean, everyone loves cheese. It's so good. It's a good break from all the murder and ghosts and, uh, I don't know, alien shit we usually talk about. So, But it's still quite unusual. It is and very I'm unusual. I'm so stoked for it. All right. One thing I want to bring up super, super quick is that we talked about slime last episode, I think. Oh, Yeah. And we've gotten a lot of feedback oh, from people. Um, people are big slime guys, just Every, like us. Everyone should be. But some people were like, slime is for children. Um, 
To which I will say to you, remember when everyone went through, tell me if you disagree, when everyone yeah. at the beginning of like the pandemic, the pandem. The pandem. That's um, what we're calling it. That's what I'm calling we're shortening it. Shortening it. Yeah. Pandematizing the pandy. the pandy. When everyone at the beginning of the pandy <laughs> got super into sourdough and bread baking. Oh, yeah. I even joined that train and I hate baking. So. What is dough? A, like, what is dough if not slime for adults? It is slime for adults. Like, you play with it. It's smooshy. You make it. It's your baby. Mm -hmm. It's like a stress relief. And then you get to eat it just like slime. Yeah. That's all. I just had a thought about it. And I was like, whoa, it is like slime for adults. Is it like slime for adults? What if I said it to you like this? Nicole, sourdough is simply slime for adults. I would believe you. Thank you. I would 100% believe you. All right. Everyone's bored of our slime talk. Let's talk about cheese because that's wildly different, right? Weird cheese. Okay. So we're going to talk about weird cheese. It's going to be weird. It's going to be cheesy. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get weird with it. Let's just get weird with it. Should we? Should we just go? Let's just go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's start off strong, shall we? With a government conspiracy. Love it. A government cheese conspiracy. A cheese spiracy? That's right, people. We're talking cheese spiracies. Mm. We're talking big cheese. <laughs> As in big government cheese. Mm. Yeah, so if the men in black come knocking at our door because we just know a little bit too much about the U.S. government hoarding billions of dollars worth of cheese. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been real. We'll miss you. Yeah, they're already following us, so it's, it's, true. Only, it's only time, a moment of time. So it all started in 1949 when the Agricultural Act of 1949, surprise, wow. spurred the Commodity Credit Corporation. All right, just going to put this out there really quick. This is going to be very unhinged history for a, like a moment. Okay, okay, but bear with well, us, Well, I mean, this is quite unusual. It should be unhinged or it shouldn't be on the show. Oh, yes. So, put yeah. that on a t-shirt and sell it. <laughs> Why don't you? The Commodity Credit Corporation is a government-owned, kind of like a side hustle, if you will, dedicated to stabilizing farm incomes, which sounds noble because farmers are like the backbone. The backbone. Backbone. Farmers are the backbone of America, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the government, a la the government, twisted it into something really fucking weird. As they typically do. Yeah. They began specifically purchasing dairy products like cheese and milk from farmers. Most of these products were used to feed the military. Okay. Because it's just like a bunch of men that the government owns and they had to feed them. (laughs) They had to feed their men. Yeah. (laughs) Then in the 1970s, America went through a recession and unprecedented inflation, which they actually talk about in that terrible, terrible movie. Which one? Licorice Pizza. With the gas prices. Oh, yeah. Everyone's car just like runs out of uh, gas. That's, that's like a, the only thing I remember from that movie. movie. That. It's so bad. We're going to get so many emails. I know. Oh my it's, God, I loved it. No, it was bad. You're all wrong. Yes, yeah, terrible. It was a bad movie. A 25 year old woman. She's like 25. I think so. A 25 year old woman should not be kissing a 15 year old boy. No, it's like, weird. What is that? Like, what is that? It's weird. It's fucking insane. Anyways. Anyways. So gas prices rose from like 10 cents a gallon to like 20 cents a gallon and people were fucking going nuts. Oh, boom. Yeah. I mean, it is. Imagine if gas prices doubled, though. We'd all be like, oh, no. Well, we're still going to pay it. They kind of did. Yeah. Because of this shortage of gasoline and extremely high prices in general, the farming industry was hit super hard. Mm -hmm. Farmers culled their herd of cattle to sell the meat. Mm -hmm. So like they were just like. 
Sorry, Bessie, you're a steak now. No, Bessie. Yeah. And then this resulted in a shortage of dairy products because all the Bessies were dead because they oh. went to, like, porterhouses, right? The price of cheese and milk almost doubled as well. And that was, like, a really big staple just in American I life. Mean, everyone drank milk all of the time. Yeah, it was, like, a thing. Like, you drank mm. milk with, like, every meal. Yep. Which... Strong bones. The government tried to intervene by capping prices, but then it was too low for farmers to make any profit. Mm. So in 1977, good old peanut farmer Jimmy Carter decided that he would solve the problem. His plan would be to simply buy a fuck ton of cheese at a very reasonable price that benefited the farmers while also keeping them in business. I mean... Duh. Like, that's what the government should be doing, is, like, right. actually supporting people. Right. Mm-hmm. But what happened to all the cheese? The government poured $2 billion into the dairy industry at a rate of about half a billion a year for four years. Wow. This kind of backfired, though, because dairy farmers were like, oh, look at all this money. So they were eager to get their hands on all of this taxpayer-funded cheese money. Mm-hmm. So they started producing more milk than ever before. Oh, because they knew if they were going to make it, the government was just going to buy it. Correct. Supply and demand. Yeah. And then when they couldn't sell their milk, they started making cheese, butter, and dehydrated milk powder. So the government was also buying all of those things. Okay. The government considered, at first, dumping the bulk of the milk and the dairy products into the ocean. What? It's insane, dude. This is insane. Like, I'm sorry. For, number one, cheese belongs nowhere near seafood, in my opinion. Okay? Sure, there's rare cases where, like, a lobster mac and cheese is delightful. Uh, yeah. Or, like, a little parm grated on, like, a pan-fried filet works. But, like, as a whole, can we just, as a society, stop trying to make the ocean just, like, this weird fucked-up cream-based seafood stew? I have to disagree with you. I think cheese and seafood is a delicious combination. You think the government should dump cheese into the ocean that, and make you, and make seafood stew? You're putting words into my mouth right Whoa. now. I'm so sorry, ma'am. How could I have done that? <laughs> no, no. I don't think they should throw it into the ocean. Okay, like what's like a scenario which you think like dairy and seafood like go well together? You just said it. Lobster mac and okay, cheese. Okay, I said that. That was fine. Or like any type of like cheesy fish. No. Why? Incorrect. Why? Because it's gross. Why is it gross? Because cheese doesn't belong anywhere. Do you near like fish. cheese? I love cheese. Do you like fish? I love fish. Why don't you like them together? I don't know, man. I like beer and I like grape nuts, but you don't see me pouring beer into my grape nuts. I would eat them separately, simultaneously. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree here, Elizabeth. Right. Okay. Okay. This is a real Elizabeth Sunny moment right now. This is our first fight. as as business partners (laughs) the problem though was that most of this dairy came in the form of government cheese Mm. um we've all heard the term government cheese but i just want to describe what government cheese is actually Mm -hmm. they call it government cheese at Wahlburgers, which i think is funny oh do they yeah (laughs) so it's it's american cheese it's a heavily processed brick of quote unquote cheese product. Yeah, that they yeah. call cheese, but like technically it's not, right? Um, it is now. 
I'll get into that in one second. Okay. So think like Velveeta, but it was lighter orange in color. Mm-hmm. It's made with just like an ass load of preservatives, emulsifiers, artificial colors, and then also some dairy products. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I don't have the exact like like numbers here, but I was reading that at one point, government cheese was no longer considered cheese because it included less dairy than all of the other products. So like it was like 40% dairy and like 60% like emulsifiers and preservatives. I think that's even, uh, it's probably even less than that if I had to guess. So yeah, so they had to like jack it up. 20% actual cheese and dairy. Yeah. <laughs> the rest was just other things. Quest sawdust. <laughs> sawdust, yeah. So they do put sawdust in it, so. And shredded cheese, there's sawdust. There's, there is. We eat a lot of sawdust, actually. We, we actually really Like do. a shocking amount of it. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually, the government stockpile of government cheese hit over 500 million pounds. And they were storing this in hundreds of warehouses in 35 states. So, question here. So mm-hmm. the government was buying all this cheese, mm-hmm. and they didn't know what to do with it, so they were converting it into government cheese no 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 they were they were buying specifically government cheese from farmers oh. so they're like we need a product that's going to last a long fucking time oh gotcha because milk spoils right and they have to store all of this oh. so they're like what can you give us what can you do to make this cheese last yeah and it was craft cheese right and one hundred percent. It was basically, but in brick form. Because if Ugh. there's less surface area, I have recently learned it is less likely to spoil. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this cheese had a shelf life of four years. No cheese should have that. But the government needed it to last longer than that, like <laughs> seven years minimum. So they did what any reasonable governing body would do. And they converted natural limestone caves into refrigerators. Cheese refrigerators? Cheese refrigerators. Whoa. Imagine having a refrigerator just full of cheese. That's a dream of mine, actually. But what if it was full of American cheese? That is a nightmare. Yes. There's two sides to every coin. Mm -hmm. So we'll get back to the whole limestone cave thing in a minute, okay? I want to talk more about how the government, like weirdly kind of turned on itself and like made this whole thing even weirder okay okay so now the year is 1981 agricultural secretary named john r block which is the perfect name for this block of cheese (laughs) stunt that he's about to pull that's why he got hired he showed up at a white house event no one knew this was going to happen and he had a five pound block of greening moldy government cheese okay and he lifted it up and he was like hey press We've got 60 million of these that the government owns. It's moldy. It's deteriorating. And we can't find a market for it. We can't sell it. So we're going to start giving it away. Moldy cheese? Just like the cheese that they had, basically. He was like trying to like pull a stunt. Like, look at what's happening to all this money that we spent. All right. And then they were like, wait, you're going to give the cheese away? And everyone at the White House was like, what are we doing? What's up? What are we gonna do? Oh, this guy just like went rogue and yeah. didn't get this okayed by like anyone. Yeah, he's just like I'm okay. the agricultural secretary. My name is John Mother F in R Block, <laughs> and I'm gonna just do this. Okay. Yeah. So he's like pulled this weird stunt, and the public was like, "Wait, what? Like, why do we have all this cheese?" Number one, like nobody knew this was happening. No one knew. 
And then number two, like, we're just going to give cheese away? Like, what the fuck's happening? I mean, instead of a tax return, you're just going to get a shit ton of cheese. Honestly, I wouldn't mind that as long as it wasn't American cheese. Yeah. I would take a little bit like of American Kraft cheese. single cheese? It does make the best grilled cheese. Hot take. Uh, it does. It does. Yeah. Right. But right, I don't right. want, like, 50 pounds of it. No. No, I don't. I well, don't. I mean, you can have just, like, one package of it, and it'll last in your fridge for, like, four Seven years. years. Seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. So you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time, Ronald Reagan is president, and he was the one that basically helped perpetuate this really fucked up and inaccurate stereotype of the quote-unquote welfare queen, which I'm sure we've all heard of. No. I have well, not you don't know what the welfare this. queen is? Okay, did no. you watch Glow? No, I did not. What? Okay, well, there's a wrestler called Welfare Queen on it. Okay. Basically, um, this was like a whole like fiscal conservative thing where people were like, we don't, we shouldn't give people money just to sit on their asses. They should be working hard if mm. they want to earn money. So we're going to remove all social services for people. And if you had a child and you can't pay for it, that's on you. That's not on me. So it was just like this whole, like he literally used the term Welfare Queen. So... Like, you, like, choose to have a bunch of children, Mm -hmm. and then you just want to, like, stay home and not work and collect government money for free and live like a queen on welfare. All right. I'm going off the rails. But anyways, Ronald Reagan perpetuated this whole, like, welfare queen stereotype. Okay. Um, So he was saying, like, poor people were trying to game the system and just, like, live off the government for free. Mm -hmm. And because for some reason, the American public just as a whole hates poor people, I'm going to say. Just like they kind of do, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially back in the 80s. It was worse. Well, yeah. Yeah. The government was like, okay, well, we have all this cheese, so let's just give it to the poors. And no one cared because no one wanted the cheese. Yeah. So they're like, okay, give the cheese to the poors in like this big, like weird Marie Antoinette energy moment where they're like, let them eat cheese. Okay, well, if they don't if they don't know what to do with it, then why not? Right, right. So Uncle Sam started giving away like a lot of cheese in the eighties. Okay, like a lot, like really. Oh, like a fuck ton, dude. Like people would get like bricks of cheese. Every I wonder week. why I've never heard of this. Like, what? Ever. Have you I've... heard of like bread lines, cheese lines? I've heard of bread lines, not cheese lines. You would get like loaf of bread and like a block of cheese. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, yeah, okay. And then we're gonna flash forward to two thousand and eight. When once again, the dairy industry was propped up by government subsidies. So remember all of those Got Milk campaigns where like Mm, all of the actors and actresses of the 90s were pictured with a milk mustache? Yeah. So we're like, yeah, like picture like Taylor Swift and like uh, the Olsen twins and they have like a milk mustache. Oh, they brought it back in in 2008? mm Mm-hmm. Oh. That's when it started. Well, it started in the oh, 90s, and then it, like, took off in, like, 2008 was, like, the heyday of it, basically. Really? I mm-hmm. thought it was, like, more of, like, a late 90s thing. It was – it started in California. That's why it was all celebrities in oh. the late 90s. Yeah, and I just remember, it, like, the cast of Friends with milk mm-hmm. mustaches. And then it went nationwide in 08. Mm. Yeah. So those were spearheaded by the California Milk Processor Board at the – again, I'm sorry. This is all very history. Um And this was at the direction of the California Department of Food and Agriculture. So once again, we're seeing a push by the government to move these dairy products that they are buying in bulk. So like I said, at this time, the campaign went nationwide and it was Mm -hmm. in like basically every teen magazine and like in print ads, media ads, whatever. Right. And this was to help kind of take the burden of the dairy surplus 
and the subsidies off the shoulders of the government. Because if we're buying milk from the store, the more we buy, the less the government has to buy from the farmers. So the government continued to help farmers out? Because when you said it started in like the 70s? Yeah, it started in 49. 49. They started paying farmers. So then they just continuously just kept on buying all of Mm -hmm. the cheese? Yes. Over and over and over. Like every year, they just like put all this... Okay, right? They were already... They didn't have... They already had too much cheese. Why would they just keep buying it? Okay, hear this. This is insane. It's 2019, Mm -hmm. right? Right before the freaking pandemic. The government, again, found itself storing cheese. This time, at the tune of $1.4 billion. Guess how much they spent on this cheese? How much? $22 billion of taxpayer money went towards buying cheese in 2019. In 2019? Yeah. Remember when you got a $600 fucking government assistant check because we were all in a global pandemic? Yeah. They bought $22 billion worth of cheese. I mean, honestly, I would have rather had, like, $600 in cheese. If it was good cheese, give me the cheese. cheese. I want the cheese. Mm -hmm. Americans have been recently turning to non-dairy alternatives, Mm -hmm. just, like, by and large. Yeah, so Um, why are they doing this? Because they want to support American farmers. So they're basically... The government doesn't do anything good, is what I'm trying to say. American farmers pivot in reverse into something else that people want because people are set in their ways dude think about like coal miners like you try to like like coal mining is such an old industry it's scary to make a move into something different so people want their way of life preserved well that's well i guess i don't know i I don't have any answers for that i don't (laughs) not smart route but i do know that american milk consumption has dropped from 275 pounds per capita in 1975 to 149 pounds per capita in 2017. So, like, it is substantially declining. Yeah. But while it's declining, the production has raised 13% every three years since 2010. It's because we're all fucking lactose intolerant. Like, what? Yeah. We all have IBS. Because we were pumped with fucking milk in the 90s. Hormone-filled milk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So none of us can... Eat this milk, no. like, comfortably. I can drink pea milk. I can drink milk made out of peas. Yeah. But I can't drink dairy milk. Yeah. But because the farmers are being paid for it, they're just pumping out all of this milk. Jeez. Yeah. Well, all of that excess dairy, guess where it goes? Where? It gets turned into cheese. Guess where that cheese goes? Where? Into government cheese caves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get very, very conspiracy corner okay. in about three, two, a corporation. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm going to call this a shell corporation used to launder money into the 3%'s pocket. It's called Dairy Management Inc. Sounds made up? It's not yeah. made up. Okay. This is a government shell corporation. Okay. Okay. It was. If I'm getting confusing, please just slow me just, down. Just, I'm not going to stop you. Just keep going. Okay. All right. I got to sit up straight for this one. This was started in the 90s. The Dairy Management Inc. Okay. Okay. This was an offshoot of the Department of Agriculture created with the sole purpose of getting Americans to consume more dairy products. Okay. Even though at the same time, the Department of Health and Human Services conducted studies showing that dairy is not very good for you 
and it's very unhealthy to consume it regularly. 36% of Americans are certified lactose intolerant. And yeah. the rest of us, we just can't eat it, but a doctor never told us we're, we were like lactose, lactose uh, what's the word for it? Don't sensitive, lactose yeah. sensitive. Sure. Everyone is. Yeah. Everyone we all get is. gassy when we eat ice cream is what we're saying, okay? <laughs> and if you don't, you're lying. You're, you're lying fucking... to yourself and you're lying to others. I want you to look in the mirror right now and say, you know what, Marshall, that's my name in this, I don't know why, Marshall, you need to stop putting regular dairy milk in your cereal because it really bothers your wife because all you're doing is farting and you both have to work from home and you share an office because your house is really small. Honestly, it's an apartment, probably. I'm sorry. We live together. Are you directing this towards me right no, now? No, I'm Marshall. <laughs> okay, you're you're my wife. I'm the wife. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I just have to say this isn't anti-dairy. I love dairy. Dairy is delicious. It's delicious. It's amazing. Ice cream, cheese. Don't get me started. It is delicious in every single form except for cottage cheese, which is the devil's mucus. You shut your mouth right now. It is now. the devil's mucus. It is delicious, and you know it. I don't like it. It's delicious. But I support you liking it. Okay. I'm just going to buy a shit ton of it and bring it home, just so you have to look at it every time you open the fridge. Can we not fight in front of the children? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. This isn't anti-dairy. This is anti-government. This is anti-the rich getting richer, okay? That's what I'm fucking spiraling into right now. So around the early 2000s, we saw a push by the Dairy Management Inc. in just like some really weird ways. They were giving cheese, giving cheese, Mm -hmm. physical cheese to corporations. Why? (laughs) What is that going to do? That's why we saw the cheesy crust quesadilla at Taco Bell? Well, I'm not complaining about that. It's delicious. I'm not I'm not anti-cheese. Yeah. I'm not anti-cheese. That's why we started seeing milk be pushed in every federal school lunch <sighs> program. Yeah. Remember those little cartons? Mm-hmm. Gross. Very chocolate gross. or regular? I like chocolate. Mm-hmm. That's Always. why Domino's Pizza got a massive bailout to the tune of $12 million. Which, by the way, the bailout was a complete secret until someone leaked it. Really? Mm-hmm. They requested a bailout and Big Cheese was like, yeah, here's $12 million and a fuck ton of cheese. Oh, wait. So they got $12 million and cheese or mm-hmm. they got $12 million in cheese? No, they got $12 million and they also got cheese. Wow. Yeah. We weren't okay. supposed to know about this oh. because Big Cheese was pushing dairy on all of us like a street corner yeah. drug dealer. Well, I mean... Low-key, Domino's is kind of like the best. It slaps. It's amazing. It, it, you can get a pizza for like, what, $7? You know why? Because they got all that cheese for free. Well. It's a 99% profit. And I guess that trickle-down theory did work. Trickle-down cheeseonomics. Cheeseonomics yeah. in the Domino sense, because we get large pizzas for $7 now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. It's $6 if you use a promo code. Do you want Domino's tonight? Yeah, let's get Domino's. Okay, sick. All right. So since and since then, we have seen billions of dollars be paid out to special interest groups like corporate farms, think Monsanto style, and government employees to keep the dairy industry afloat. I'm just saying, all of this taxpayer cheddar. Nice. Going to the government cheddar. Nice. Is right under our fucking noses. Wow. Cheese conspiracy. Why are we people? Why are we as people paying so much fucking money to farmers when they're just reaping the fucking profits of this and they're big corporate farms that all of these senators own stock in? Don't even talk to me about Diane Feinstein right now. She should retire. 
Is it like cheese laundering? It's fucking do. Yes. (laughs) It fucking is. Is Wow. I I just saw your head explode. Oh my god! I didn't even talk about the caves. I didn't even talk about the caves. Tell us about the caves. Okay. 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 So, the government has these cheese caves, right? Yeah. Okay. Recently, very recently, in, like, the like the late 2000s, um, the government started remodeling their cheese caves. Uh, remodeling? Yeah. So, deep under Springfield, Missouri, is oh. a 2 million square foot, quote unquote, warehouse in a hollowed out limestone quarry that has been turned into an industrial storage cave. Do you know the exact location of this cave? And is it raidable? Can we raid government cheese? No. You know why? Why? Because it is armed security around it. <gasps> there is a nuke down there, too. It's not just cheese. This is like fucking Area 51 level like security around this goddamn cheese what? cave. Okay. There, there's a, they're hiding other things. They have a website. What? It's very basic. It's can like, you visit? Take a tour? Your ch- I don't know if you can. Should we? I'm sure you Spring can. Spring Missouri yeah, is like just, six hours from here. Let's, let's just fucking let's do, do it. it. Okay. I'm going to find out. We're going to do this. I'm going to email them okay. once we're done recording. Okay. But the caves are owned by a company called Springfield Underground. That doesn't sound like it's fake at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this originally opened as a quarry in the late 1940s. But... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this out there, okay? Because this is not a fact in any way, shape, or form. I'm 90% sure the government owns these caves. Well, didn't you just say that they did? They're using the caves. I cannot find who owns the caves. I can only find that it is called Springfield Underground. Oh, uh, oh, it's like organ. It's an organized crime. I don't know what this is, man. I don't know what it is. Cheese mafia. It's a fucking. We'll talk about cheese mafia. Oh, in a minute. I'm gonna talk about it. I know you soon. Will. Okay, the mines maintain a constant temperature of 52 degrees since they're about 100 feet below surface level. Okay, but there's options for refrigerated sections that range from negative 20 degrees to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So like whatever, like you want to store your shit at, you can. Mm -hmm. The mines lease space to private corporations. (gasps) Kraft Foods? No. Next to the U.S. government, leases the most amount of space in these underground cheese caves. For those of you that don't know, I am my actual real person job. Mm -hmm. I am a food buyer. So I'm a buyer for a large food Mm -hmm. distributor Mm -hmm. in the United States. That's right. And one of my vendors... Mm -hmm. Just so happens to be Kraft Foods. Well, you know, I got some bad news for you. They're playing dirty. They are They're playing dirty in these little cheesecakes. They're terrible. That's right. I'm just going to take a wild leap here. And I'm going to say that the U.S. government has its sticky little fingers all up in this cheese cave action. So what are they doing with... They're just hoarding cheese? They're just hoarding cheese. There's no plan. There's no fucking plan for this cheese. So why do they have it so heavily guarded? They keep... I I don't know. I don't know. I wish everyone could see how frustrated I am right now because I'm doing this research. We can research. definitely hear it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Do you believe me if I tell you that the government is hoarding cheese for some unknown reason? Absolutely. What if, if I do it like that, you do? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I just feel like the government keeps buying all this fucking dairy, right? Yeah. I'm just like totally spiraling. There's got to be a bigger bigger picture here. What? What is it for? <sighs> what are they doing? I love... Fair. I love a government subsidy if it's going somewhere good. 
Okay. They've got to have a bigger plan. Why are they buying $20 billion worth of cheese? Cheese bomb. Oh, my God. It has to be. It has. It has to be. It's the only way. It's the only thing. (laughs) I'm just glad they're not dumping it in the ocean because, honestly, I feel like I can't believe they did it. What? Okay. Well, such a waste of cheese. Um, So this is – I'm sorry. I just – I don't even know if I'd even learned anything from that. I just needed to yell about how the government – this is why I wanted to do this episode. <laughs> so because the government, the government is doing weird shit with cheese. Yeah. And everyone needs to know about everyone it. Everyone needs to know. All right. You talk about something actually important. Well, the U.S. government isn't actually the only government to do weird things with cheese. Oh. Surprisingly. What is happening to the gr- new? This is the new world order. You know what? It's run by cheese conspiracy. It, it honestly is. So, like, I don't know. Buy stock and cheese now. Because it, in the future, cryptocurrency, it's not going to be a thing. It's going to be cheese. It's queso currency, people. <laughs> it's queso currency. Everything is going to, you, like, that's going to be worth a feta. That's a Gouda. Oh, that's just an American cheese, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's how it's going to happen. It's unbelievable. Mark my words. I believe you. Anyways, I want to talk about the Swiss cheese mafia. I'm so excited. Also, great band name. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So when we think of Swiss cheese, we Mm -hmm. think of the sliced cheese with the holes in it, right? Of course. Delicious. Mm -hmm. That's actually called Emmental cheese. Okay. Or Emmentaler cheese. Okay. That's That's the one. One is short. One is tall. Mm, yeah, taller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's named this because it was first made in the M.A. River Valley. Oh. So, yeah, a little fun fact for you guys. This is also Gruyere, which I'm, you're going to have to bear with me. I can't fucking say it. I keep on wanting to say Gruyere. 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 Just make, just make like a G sound and then end it with like Well, I put a lot of pronunciation help in this so hopefully we'll get through it it's but fine we're just if talking i say it wrong people. just don't don't take it you know, on man, okay? everything's cool in cheese chat who cares anyways it's like a french version of emmental cheese it's similar in taste but it has less holes so different cheeses but also like kind of similar you know but these are not the only two types of swiss cheese out there during world war one switzerland was booming with cheese there was cheese literally everywhere. Literally. Like, like, like you know that, like... Down the street. That, like, cheese painting, like that Salvador Dali painting with, like, the melting clocks. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but wheels of cheese. Yeah. It was everywhere. Melting slices of cheese. It was a goddamn nightmare. I mean, we're talking thousands of different types of cheese all being made in Switzerland. And in America, we're like, this is Swiss cheese. Mm. But it's, like, thousands of different types. Well, there's a reason for that. <gasps> oh, okay. Okay. Because the reason why we are only familiar with these two types of Swiss cheeses mm-hmm. is because of the Swiss cheese mafia. What? Are you serious? Yeah. You going to come to me on the day of my daughter's cheesing? <laughs> you going to tell me that there's only two Swiss cheeses? There's... Mm-hmm. Well, when World War I started in 1914, the cheese industry in Switzerland 
was threatened. Okay. Because Europe was at war and there was a lack of hay and other feed for livestock, which mm-hmm. then led to a milk shortage mm-hmm. and you need milk to make cheese. It's true. So there it's was true. a huge shortage. So in response to this, Switzerland created a Swiss cheese union, mm. a.k.a. the <clears throat> Schweitzer Case Union. Can you say that with a Swiss accent? What even is a Swiss accent? I don't know. I'd like to think it's just something vaguely Germanic. Schweitzer? Sure. Case Union? I loved it. <laughs> You're the accent guy. Nah. Know, that's not my bag. And their job was to protect and control cheese production. Okay. Of course. Protect and control cheese. This is a real hot commodity. Everyone loves it. Who doesn't love cheese? Yeah, right? This cheese cartel developed strict guidelines when it came to making and exporting cheese in Switzerland. They set a price for milk. They told dairymen how much milk they could produce and also who they could sell their milk to. Mm. They also had control over the cheesemakers, telling them how much cheese they were allowed to make and also controlled what prices they could set their cheese at. I'm picturing like a bunch of like mobsters going to like a dairy farm and like tipping over like you know those metal things that like hold milk and they're like hey see you're producing a little bit a little bit more milk than we want you to there so we're gonna just uh we're gonna even things out here. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about it? Yeah. And they just like start kicking over cows and stuff. They painted houses but they painted with cheese. Oh my god. Melted cheese. That's disgusting. <laughs> Well, because of all of the work and complications that this involved, the union decided that they were going to narrow down the types of cheeses that people were allowed to produce. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned before, prior to the Swiss cheese mafia, Switzerland produced over a thousand different types of cheeses. But at the direction of the Swiss cheese mafia... The Swiss Cheese Union only allowed the production of seven different types of cheeses. Um, I don't know if you, if I'm asking a question that I shouldn't be asking right now. We'll but see if I can answer it. I don't know. Are, is it still like that? We'll Do you get know? there. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll okay, okay, know. okay. Sorry. You're jumping ahead. I want to eat cheese now. Jumping ahead of the I'm game. Gonna, I want to eat so much cheese. Bring it back in here. Okay. Right, Raining her in. After World War One, the Swiss Cheese Mafia, which is also the Swiss Cheese Union, just... I'll say both terms, but it's really, it's the mafia. It's, a, okay. it's the, just the fucking mob. Just, yeah, it's the, it's the cheese mob. mob. It's the cheese mob. So the Swiss cheese mafia started sending out notices to Swiss cheese makers, calling them out for making shitty cheese. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. They believed these cheese makers had developed these bad cheese making habits during the war. Oh, fucking K. It's a world war. Right. The first one. It's very hard to, yeah, you gotta make do with what you got. You know what? We're in a global pandemic and there are some days I can't concentrate on my stupid job. Yeah. So I'm going to give these cheese ateliers yeah. some fucking right? leeway here. Yeah. Kind of like today because we are recording during our work hours. Do not say that out loud. We are not. We are. This is lunch. We're on we are on lunch. You didn't hear what you just heard. Or else we'll send the Swiss cheese mafia. Listen, you. you're not going to tell anyone what you heard here. <laughs> Is that good? Do you think that's a good thing? That was thing? good. That was, yeah. Thank you. No one's going to say anything. Anything. Or we'll give you a Swiss cheese bow tie. But remember, this was also 
the beginning of the Great Depression mm. and prices started to drop, which was very threatening to the Swiss Cheese Union and the Swiss government had to step in and they had to bail them out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, now we're getting little government-y, conspiracy I guess. We're getting a little American here in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. So basically, this is what happened. The Swiss government funded the Swiss Cheese Union. The Swiss Cheese Union controlled the Milk Association. Okay. The Milk Associations bought the cheese at a guaranteed price from the cheesemakers, but then they sold it back to the Cheese Union. This is money laundering. Swiss cheese mafia. That's what it's Holy all shit. about. They are washing that cheese money. It's confusing, but the gist of it is this. The Swiss Cheese Union basically controlled and had a stake in every part of the cheese industry in Switzerland. And because of this, they used their power to make cheese prices high and to keep competition low. Mm. AKA, they were a fucking cartel. They are a fucking cartel. Yeah. But honestly, a who cares cartel. about cocaine when cheese is at stake? Cheese is just as addictive as cocaine. I'm going to say more. Honestly? You going to not eat cheese? <laughs> How do you... I, I dare you, Nicole. I dare I all of our it. listeners... I couldn't do to it. ...to go 48 hours. Unless you're vegan, then it doesn't count. Yeah, well... To not eat cheese. 48 hours. Can't do it. Can't do it. If you can do it, write us an email and I'll tell you you mm. can't do it. Mm-hmm. The Swiss cheese mafia only wanted certain cheeses being made, like I said before. And by this time, their list was up to 14 okay. different types of cheese. But the main three that they supported were Emmental, Gruyere. Did I say that right? Yeah. Gruyere? Sure. Gruyere. Gruyere. And Sprins, which oh, is I've a... I've never heard of her. It's a hard mountain cheese. I'd like a hard mountain cheese. Not soft. It's hard. I want a hard mountain cheese. In and around your mouth? Yes. <laughs> a cheesemaker could opt to make cheese outside of those three. However, the Swiss cheese mafia refused to market them. And they would deny any stamp of approval which was something that they put on all of their cheese, and they claimed any cheese without this stamp was inferior. Okay, so I know that this takes place in Switzerland, but I'm absolutely picturing Fat Tony and his crew oh, yeah, from the 100%. Simpsons. And he's like, it'd be a real shame if uh, that cheese you had there didn't get a stamp of approval, wouldn't it? Exactly. You got some gabagool to go with that cheese? Instead of like a cigar out of his mouth, it's just a cheese stick, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Constantly. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's like string cheese, and he like pulls off like pieces of it and like feeds it to his cronies. <laughs> yeah. The Swiss cheese mafia wanted to limit any creativity or originality when it came to varieties. Well, you think you're better than our cheeses? You think you can come up with something more creative than our cheeses? <laughs> so instead, they valued consistency and they only produced the three types of cheese, so it made it a lot easier to control. Sure. Quality control, mm -hmm. you know? So with this cheese empire, the Swiss Cheese Union needed a strategy to market their government-subsidized cheeses to the world. 
They had a U.S. branch called the Switzerland Cheese Association based in New York City. Of course it would. Oh, uh, fun fact. There's also cheese caves in New York City, but they're not government owned. They're private owned and you can go there and taste cheeses. Really? Yeah. Do you want to go? Is there just like a cheese cave under every major city? There's like a lot of weird cheese caves in, in this country. Like probably also it's like cheese cave nuke. Like, right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, like, on... It's, like, in the same silo. Sometimes, yeah, it melts together, creating... Just a sticky nuclear nuclear mess. (laughs) Well, the Switzerland Cheese Association started creating ads that instructed consumers to only purchase Swiss cheese if it had their official stamp of approval on it. And if you play those ads backwards, do you know what it says? What does it say? It says... All cheese is inferior besides Swiss cheese. It's crazy. Do you want to play Hail that? Satan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's implied. That that's in implied. It's always, yeah. It's, we all knew that. Mm-hmm. But their biggest and most successful advertising campaign happened when they had the bright idea to introduce fondue to the Whoa. American people. I'm sorry. What? Fond fucking do. Yes. Fond motherfucking do. Which obviously took off like wildfire because who doesn't love dipping literally anything in melted cheese? God, all I want to do is eat fondue right now. Right. So fondue was originally invented in the Alps and wasn't really popular in Switzerland until the Swiss cheese mafia and their brilliant team of advertisers decided to make it the national dish. In the 1930s. Dude, are you telling me right now we have a cartel, a cheese cartel mm-hmm. to thank for fondue? We do. This is insane. For I would have it. literally mm-hmm. never guessed that that was a fucking tool of like shady corporation. Isn't that fucking wild? I love this. The official fondue recipe calls for one part Emmental and one part Gruyere, two of the three cheeses supported by the Swiss cheese mafia god do you want to eat fondue this weekend yeah let's do it <laughs> dominoes and fondue dinner it's done it's decided on dominoes we just dip the dominoes in the fondue <gasps> yes yes in order to market this new melted cheese craze to the world the swiss cheese mafia decided to depict beautiful people partying together gathered around a melted pot of cheese and it just happened to also be a key party Oh, because it was the 70s? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, kind of like the Got Milk ad campaign where every celebrity Mm -hmm. was pictured with a dumb milk mustache on their face, you know, trying to funnel milk down our throats. Mm -hmm. Literally. Literally. Similar to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know about you, but for me, like, my dad made us all have a glass of milk at dinner for every dinner. We drank milk when I was little, too. I never drank it, though, because I never liked... I cannot just oh, drink we, That milk. was what we had for with dinner. It I wasn't, can't. like, water. It was, like, your glass of milk. I cannot just drink milk. Was, I can't do it. We had to have a glass of milk and a green thing on our plate, or my dad told us we would get rickets. <laughs> Rickety cricket. <laughs> Which isn't a thing that people get nowadays. We're not, like, pirates on a ship. No, 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 without any nutrients. Milk but does not. Not having milk doesn't make you get rickets. When you're a child and yeah, your dad yeah. tells you that, you're going to believe him. That's true. And I believed him. God, I love Larry. <laughs> so I drank my milk and I ate my green vegetables. And look at you. You don't have rickets. And I don't have rickets now. So he wasn't wrong. So he, he wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. 
But this whole ad campaign, yeah. just bring it, reeling it back in Sorry. <laughs> This ad campaign that the Swiss cheese mafia started with fondue, it worked because fondue took off in the 60s and 70s. So we can literally thank the Swiss cheese mafia for popularizing fondue. Honestly, thank you because fondue is delicious. Hats off to you, cheese, Swiss cheese mafia. By 1992, the Swiss cheese mafia was riding high. I mean, yeah, sure, they admitted to inflating prices so they would make more money. And yeah, the people of Switzerland's tax dollars were helping to fund the industry. But no one cared too much. Showbiz, baby. Mm. Actually, in the 60s and 70s, the dairy industry cost the Swiss government more than the whole cost of the army of Switzerland. Okay, but to be fair, the Swiss have a very small army. Well, I mean, they're usually neutral, so... Yeah. Well, actually... They don't really need one. Actually, they're not neutral. They sell weapons to a lot of countries that are warring. Mm. So they save... You know what? I'm just going to reel it in. (laughs) We're doing a lot of that. Just going to reel it back in. This is a really conspiracy. People are going to get lost along the way, and then we just got to reel it It's a screamy episode. It's a real screamy one. We should have put a disclaimer at the top. We will will get hungry. In the bio. And you you will get screamed at. (laughs) Actually, in fact, the Swiss Cheese Union, or the Mafia, became the official sponsor of Switzerland's national ski team in 1992. I love that. They wore yellow suits with (gasps) little holes printed on them, made to look like Swiss cheese. How cute is that? Honestly, that's adorable. It's adorable. Yeah, but I'm also picturing them, like, kneecapping the other team so, like, they can't, like, win. (laughs) The Swiss cheese mafia. Yeah, for they sure. like throw cheese in the eyes yeah. of like the other skiers. Pocket cheese. Yeah, yeah. They totally. like they like Big Daddy, but it's with like big wheels of cheese, mm-hmm. like at other people's at the feet. skiers. Yeah. yeah. But then in 1996, the Swiss cheese mafia had gabbed their last ghoul. You really gabbed your last ghoul, or should I say, gabbed their last gruyere? Look at you! Oh my god, cheese pots. Put that on a shirt and sell it. Anyways, they were caught accepting bribes <laughs> and breaking international trade laws, which caused a huge scandal. You're going to look at me, the cheese manufacturer of the world, the one that gives puts cheese on your daughter's plate, and you're going to tell me <laughs> I'm breaking international trade rules? Well, apparently from 1998 to 1995, the Swiss Cheese Union purposely mislabeled a cheese that they were selling to an Italian company no and this cheese was a processed cheese but the swiss cheese union was trying to play it off like it was an expensive stamped and approved (gasps) cheese oh okay so this was like their high profit cheese yeah yeah the italians got a good deal on the cheese because it came with the lower tax rate since it wasn't labeled as processed but in order to secure that rate they had to pay kickback God, I love this. to the cheese mafia bosses. I love this more than I think I've ever loved anything in my life. <laughs> but when it came to it, only one man who was the head of marketing was caught and sentenced to prison for this act because, you know what? He knew the two greatest things in life. Go ahead, where are they? You never rat on your friends. Never. And you always keep your mouth shut. Keep your goddamn mouth shut. He alone received $350,000 in Swiss francs in kickbacks from the Italian company. 
which is around $374,000. Oh, that's not that's not crazy different actually. No, it's really not. Yeah. But um also you always have to have a scapegoat. So yeah. you know, you know for a fucking fact that they all voted for this guy and he was like, "Okay, I can do this." And they probably gave his family so much money. So much money. No. Yeah. They took care of Their him. kids are Oh, they took care of him. Their kids are living large with the mm. Jesus. The World Trade Organization got involved and started to investigate Switzerland's trade policies. And they discovered that Switzerland was the world's fourth largest exporter of cheese. Whoa. Assisted by significant export subsidies, but they had never declared to the WTO that the Swiss Cheese Union was a state trading enterprise. Oh, look at that. So also the country was doing insider trading. Yeah. And they were called out for their cartel-like behavior and issued this statement. Officially known as the Schweitzer Kays Union, or the Swiss Cheese Union, this group did everything in its unrivaled power to ensure the continued prosperity of the Swiss cheese industry. From regulating cheese prices, to monitoring cheese quality, to marketing cheese both domestically and abroad, to committing cheese fraud and scamming the Swiss government out of millions. And also, I don't like the faces. (laughs) Because of this, in 1999, the Swiss Cheese Union was officially dissolved. And then following this, Switzerland's cheese industry was deregulated and the government subsidies dissolved as well. This is amazing. And because of this, hundreds of cheesemakers went out of business. Oh, because, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they stopped paying them, basically. The ones who were able to keep their businesses afloat are now able to produce any types of cheese they choose. It's estimated that around 450 different types of cheese are now being produced in Switzerland. Wow. I want to eat all of those cheeses. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite cheese story. Isn't it wonderful? I didn't know any of that. You can thank the fucking Swiss cheese mafia for fondue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make shirts that say Swiss Cheese Mafia, okay? And put them in our store, our yes. merch store. Yeah. With little cheese holes. Oh, yeah. They have to be yellow and they, they have will. to have little Swiss cheese I'll make holes. it happen. Don't worry. <laughs> One cheese that is illegal in Switzerland. Ooh. Actually, it's illegal in every country except one, which Whoa. we'll get to. Whoa. Is called Kazumatsu. That's the last time I'll say that I'm it not It sounds Italian. Saying. Is it Italian? Uh, it's Italian. Okay, okay. This cheese is honestly the entire reason I did want to do this episode. Mm. And then we got into the other conspiracy stuff. But this is like, this is my golden hot tub of this episode. I saw a documentary once on this and it... It's wild. It's fucking gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. So Kazu Marzu, sometimes just called Kazu Marzu, which is what I'm going to call it for the rest of this. Okay. Um, without the T, literally means rotting or putrid cheese in Sardinian. Mm, delicious. And guess what? It is. Yep. Ooh. It's rotting cheese. But it goes a step further than that because this cheese contains live maggots. Mm, protein. Although we cannot put an exact date on when this cheese was invented, it's pretty safe to say that it originated around the same time that its base cheese, Pecorino, was invented. So about 2,000-ish years ago. Damn. The origins of this cheese are very simple. The poverty-stricken ate cheese that was spoiled, rotten, and full of flies and eggs and maggots. 
because they were poor. Mm. Mm -hmm. People who could not afford to buy good cheese or could not afford to throw away spoiled cheese ate this Kazu Marzu. Um, you know, just going to back up a little bit. Kazu Marzu, like I said, in its purest form is Pecorino Romano cheese. Okay. So without the maggots are rotting. Yes. So it's base cheese is Pecorino Romano. Oh, okay. Yeah. For those of us that don't know the joys of Pecorino, mm. it's a hard, salty sheep's milk cheese. Um, I'm sure you've all had it. It's like you put it on pasta, you put it on. Yeah. It's basically like Parmesan's cousin. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't it very close to Parmesan? Yeah, it's virtually identical, to be mm. honest. Pecorino is believed to be one of the oldest European cheeses. It originated in a place called Lazio, which is a region in central Italy. Modern day Pecorino is made mostly in Sardinia, which is a small island off the western coast of Italy in the heart of the Baltic Sea. Pecorino is formed when the curds of sheep's milk is pressed into a large round wheel. You've seen those massive wheels of cheese. Oh, yeah. They're so cool, dude. I just want to take a bite out of them. Right? Yeah. So basically, it's dried until a hard rind forms, and then it's stored on a shelf for a minimum of five months to become like actually aged properly Mm. or up to two years. A whole wheel of pecorino costs about 1200 American dollars, just what? so you know. Wow. I mean, it's like 50 pounds of cheese. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a lot of cheese. Oh, yeah. yeah. To make kazumarzu, a wheel of aged pecorino is cut open slightly, and then they leave it outside. Obviously, back in the day, this was an accident, but then somehow, somewhere along the lines, it became super bougie. People wanted to eat the rotten cheese because it was so rare. I have so many questions, but I'm going to wait to ask them until you're done. Okay. <laughs> so when I say it was left outside, I mean that nowadays, like, it's a very controlled thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's stored and left out in open air, but obviously it's not just, like, left outside. It's still, like, in, like, a controlled <laughs> environment. Yeah, right. They're mm-hmm. just like, ah, well, we're going to turn this into Kazumarzu. Let's just put this $1,200 piece of cheese outside. They just hope throw for the it best. out the back door. Yeah, like, roll it down a hill and hope <laughs> for the best. So the hope is that flies will sneak into the wheel of cheese and lay eggs. If the flies don't arrive in a few days, they are purposefully introduced into the wheel via injection of eggs. That was going to be one of my questions. Mm-hmm. It's like a super fucked up version of IVF. <laughs> <laughs> um, the flies are the species, I'm going to totally butcher this, Piophila, Piophila case. Okay, so there's a, a specific breed of fly that needs to... Yeah, they're so cool. Being inserted in these cheeses? These are like the second coolest bug, I think, in the entire world. Really? Yeah. So I want to do like a little tangent on these flies because they're just so fucking cool. And I got into a rabbit hole researching them. They're called cheese skippers. Okay. Or more commonly, skipper flies. They are super, super teeny tiny black and like brownish flies. And they have Mm -hmm. glowing orange eyes. They're called skipper flies because when... They're in their larval form. They're able to hurl themselves through the air okay. and land several feet away from their starting point. How big are they? They're so small. They're so like, they're like gnat, like gnat sizes, like plant gnats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Super teeny tiny, and like the little maggots are like super small, like a quarter 
to like a half an inch big. Okay. So like super small. So they just like do this like weird like jumping bean thing and like maggots just like fly around in the air. Wait, the maggots can fly? Yes. What? Yeah, like when they're the larva. Larva and maggots, oh. the same thing. So like they just like skip and like jump and like can go like for feet. Wow. Isn't that disgusting? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. I Very watched, gross. I watched like a 15 minute YouTube video of them just like flying around. Where do they live? They live all over. They can live everywhere. In our backyard. Yeah, there's probably none in our backyard. Flying maggots. Flying maggots can live everywhere. Yes, new fear unlocked. The flies are detrivores, which is a new term for me. This is the first time I ever heard it. So I probably pronounced it completely wrong like an idiot. But it means that they eat entirely decaying matter. Like when you're an herbivore, you eat entirely herbs. Oh. Uh, Yeah, so detrivores. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. The flies are found mostly on rotting food, mostly rotting dairy and rotting meat. But fun fact, they can eat an entire human body. What? That's wild. I know. The flies are usually found in tombs of Egyptian mummies oh. also, which is just super fun. So it's just like a mummy full of like jumping I wonder maggots. if they're like, if you would were to go in a cemetery, which actually we were talking about earlier today, yeah. like in a crypt of <gasps> a cemetery, if there would just be these like flying maggots all over the Let's place. go find out. Let's go crack open some corpses. Let's go check it out. What are we doing right now? Uh, I mean, after this podcast. Oh, we'll finish this. We'll finish first and then we'll do it. We'll go. Okay. I'll get my crowbar. Okay. All right. Cool. So they are, these little flies are crucial to forensic investigations, which is also super fun because they've been used as evidence in a trial (gasps) to prove the time of death in post mortem remains. That's so cool. Yeah. Because they only show up when like you reach a certain point of decay. So if they're present, then like, SVU style, he's been dead for this many hours. How fun is this? That's really cool. I know. In the same way that the flies eat rotting corpses and, like, make them deteriorate, they eat cheeses the same way by eating the fats and the proteins in the cheese. So do they make this cheese, like, super low-cal and, like, diet cheese? Um, sort of. I mean, it has a high protein content. Oh, okay. Well... As I'm sure most of you know, pecorino is like a hard grating cheese, sort of like Parmesan. Mm-hmm. And when the protein and fat structures are broken down, the hard texture of the cheese turns into like this soft, melty, milky texture, mm. similar to like the inside of burrata. Ugh. Burrata, I think, might be my, well, feta is my favorite cheese. Burrata is like a close. Burrata is very good. Close second. But imagine burrata full of maggots. Mm, no, Pass. The texture is aided by the cheese remains mixing with the saliva of the larva and flies that infest the wheel. Also, another fun fact about maggots, because maggots are just so fucking cool, the texture of their skin is slightly abrasive. Mm. So as they walk across the cheese, it creates micro cuts. (laughs) And these micro cuts basically like finely grate the cheese which adds to the creamy texture that's actually pretty cool it's so cool and like if one day you'll just humor me again and let me like fucking spiral into weird shit go that's all this episode's about i would love to do an episode on how cool maggots are in general Mm -hmm. like maybe like an episode about how like maggots are used as medical devices yes okay yes we're gonna do it we're doing it (laughs) all right back to cheese the makers of the cheese know that it's ready to eat when the wheel of cheese starts crying. Explain. A gooey liquid called 
lagrimas, I'm going to say, which translates into tears, will begin leaking through the hard rind of the cheese. If it's left to ferment for too long, the bugs will basically eat all of the cheese. Mm. So it has to be closely monitored for doneness. So people like walk up and down like rows of this cheese and look for little cheese tears. Cheese tears. I know. It's so sad. odd. The process from fly implantation to completion takes about three months. The resulting cheese is very, very smelly, and it's very sharp in flavor. Think like the smelliest, like, gorgonzola blue cheese situation with, like, Mm. really acidic notes to it. So it's not good, is what you're saying? Some people like smelly cheese. Mm, I'm not a smelly cheese guy, but some people like it. But it doesn't taste very good. It's just, like, very acidic. It's, like, acidic, yeah. People like it. I don't know, man. I mean, I'd try it once, but... Well, will you? Yeah, why not once? I'd try anything once. Well, remember how I said that the larva can jump? Yes. Okay, well, when you open a wheel of this cheese, you have to wear safety goggles to prevent eye injuries. A maggot to the eye is what you're saying. (laughs) People go blind because they propel themselves so fast that it, like, will stab into your skin. And if it stabs into your eyeball, you super don't want that. Wow. Yeah. Pocket maggots. Oh, my God. It's the perfect weapon. It's better than pocket sand. It's so much better. Mm. The cheese is eaten when the maggots are still alive. If you open a wheel of cheese and the maggots are dead, that means that the cheese is too spoiled for human consumption and they have to throw it away. So if you buy the cheese, you have to, every time you eat it, you have to wear goggles? Well, only when you open the wheel of cheese. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, here. Some people eat eat it with the maggots still alive. Okay. But other people smash the cheese into, like, a paste and, like, basically smash the maggots Ew. to death in the cheese. Ew. Also, you can seal, like, bits of the cheese in airtight containers, like a Ziploc bag or, like, a jar, until the maggots stop moving. And then you put, you like, swipe the maggots off, right? People eat, no, people eat You're the maggots. You're supposed to eat the maggots yeah, on you it? you eat the maggots with it. Okay. Yeah, you'll know that the maggots are dead because you won't hear them tinging against the side of the jar anymore. That's normal and fine. It's disgusting. Today, a wheel of Kazu Marzu costs an average of six dollars to $10,000. It's a wild range. I know. But it's usually only sold in extremely small amounts due to the fact that it is literally toxic and sort of illegal. Um, it's illegal everywhere but Sardinia. It's like this weird gray area there. Is it illegal because it's toxic? Yes, because it's spoiled food. It was deemed illegal by the Italian government in 1962 because it is illegal to sell food products that are knowingly infected with parasites, which is a really great rule. That Yeah, that's that makes sense. Like, I love that law so much. <laughs> it's a really good law. Yeah. But Kazumarzu is listed as a traditional product of Sardinia, so it's technically protected by law there. Uh, okay. It's just super illegal to export it anywhere else. Okay, so Which, if you go to Sardinia, you can eat it. Yeah, but and they only there. Definitely don't sell it anywhere else. Oh no! I mean, like that it would be illegal. It doesn't go anywhere except for there. Totally not. If you are caught selling the cheese, you can be fined up to only sixty-five thousand dollars, which seems so low. Well, it's only cheese, and people like it. That's true. So if you want it, yeah. I mean, well, a lot of people take the risk, and you can basically buy it like black market style everywhere okay yeah it's chill the european union has started to 
study and revive the idea of eating maggots and other bugs. Okay. Thanks to a concept called novel food, which means like basically insects are raised for food products. Oh, yeah. Like so farm raised. Yeah. So they're like, um, is it actually bad if we eat maggot cheese? We don't know, but we're going to look into it. Well, they're, I mean, they're not, like you said, they're not leaving it outside. They're literally injecting it with a right. specific breed of fly. It right, makes like, it like fancy. Yeah. They're like breeding these flies to put in this cheese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these bugs are raised for human consumption and they're usually raised in sterile environments bringing it back to medical maggots, which I'm so excited to talk about one day. So Kazu Marzu is the most famous maggot-infested cheese, but it's not the only one. Elsewhere in Italy, there is a cheese called Marsetto that's made in Abruzzo. I don't know where these places are. There's another one called, I'm gonna, I am gonna. don't even know how to say this, Kazu de Quayahu. <laughs> Nailed it. That's that's 100% so? accurate. All right. I think so. Kualu. It's spelled Q, Q-U-A-G-G-H-U-I. Kualu. You sound like you're in the Black Lodge right now. <laughs> I am. Um, there's also a cheese called Salatero Frutalo, which is made in Frutilli, which is sort of fun. And one called Cake Punt. <laughs> that's made in Molise. Did you like that? Uh, I liked that a lot. Thank you. I liked it a lot, a lot. Of course, when cheese is involved, the French cannot be outdone. So they have started making their own take on maggot cheese called Kazagu Marzu, which is currently being produced in Corsica, which is basically exactly the same fucking I was going to say, that's like the same name. They just added a G. It's fr- It's French. And and replaced the E with an A. Well, it's French. And, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Obviously. Interesting. Well, since we just talked about cheese fermented with maggots, uh-huh. let's continue this wild ride and this weird fermentation train. Woo-woo! And talk about cheese fermented with dust mites. Everyone hop on the fermentation train. Chugga, 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 chugga. I think I forgot about dust mites yeah. like before doing this, but in doing this research, I mm. looked them up, and now I'm afraid to live because they're basically everywhere, mm. and they're probably in your bed, and they're definitely oh, they in your carpet, yeah. and I just want to vomit. Yeah, they're on your eyelashes. Yeah. They're everywhere. Well, those are a different kind, but like, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So, word of advice, just don't look them up. Like, God, I just got so itchy. Even though they are microscopic and you can't see them. Nope, I can feel them right now. That kind of makes it worse. They're me. in these chairs that we're sitting in. I Yeah. So, throw up. Um, anyways, so to uh, just put that into your nightmares Sorry. tonight. No, I'm, um, honestly, I'm so itchy right now. This dust mite cheese is called Milbenkasa. Love it. And it's a German cheese produced in... Wurzwitz. Oh, okay. So it's called Milpenkashva. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Love that. Yes, that. This cheese is made by combining dust mites with balls of quark. Yeah. And I know that is an insane sentence, but quark is a type of fresh dairy product made by warming soured milk until the desired amount of curdling is achieved, and then you strain it. Yes. Um... Quark hit Instagram about five years ago. There's a brand sold in America called Ellie's Quark. Okay. It's virtually unsweetened yogurt. 
it hit Instagram is what you just said. I did. It got really popular with like the influencers. Just only on Instagram? I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I hit Instagram. Well, apparently it didn't hit me on Instagram. Well, you're on an influencer. <laughs> it's true. I'm not. Yes. This is an unsponsored Sorry. Ellie's Sorry. quark. Like, you know. <laughs> so they dry the quark. quark. I hate I hate that word I so know. much. Quark. Quarking it up. They season it with salt and caraway, and then they combine it with dust mites, and then they put it in a wooden box with rye flour. That's insane. They then leave this weird combination of things in this box for three months, during which the dust mites and their digestive juices, mm-hmm. they disperse into the cheese and they cause fermentation. It seems that three months is like the sweet spot for infecting cheese with bugs. With bugs, yeah. Who knew? I mean, now we do. So I'm going to put some cheese in the basement and see what happens. So the dust mites feast on the crust of the cheese, which is why they add the rye flour, because if they didn't, then the dust mites would just eat all of the cheese. Okay. Guess I don't know. who can blame them. Rye I, bread and cheese sounds delicious. Yeah, I, I mean, I would do. After a month, the crust or the rind will turn yellow, and then after three, it will turn a reddish brown, and then that means that the mites have done their job. Good job, mites. The taste is apparently compared to Harzer cheese. I've never had Harzer I've cheese. Never had it either. But it's compared to Harzer cheese with bitter notes and a zesty aftertaste. But I mean. I don't really know that taste, so I, I can't really tell you. Mm. The locals do not seem to care about the fact that this cheese is made with dust mites. In fact, they regard these dust mites as local heroes. Not all heroes wear capes, Nicole. And they've even erected a statue oh. of a dust mite in the center of their German village. I see. Right here. It's very weird looking, and that's why I had to add a picture of it. It Thank just kind of looks like a plaster white blob. Yeah, it does not look like... I would not think that that was no, a dust mite. but I mean, you do you, people it's of Virgwitz. Yeah. We'll post it on the gram for you guys to see. We'll hit Instagram we'll, with us. We'll hit it hard. Just like that quark. Just like that quark. <laughs> you ever get hit right in the quark? Oh, it hurts so bad, man. So much. So much. Next up, we have... Are you ready for it? Uh-huh. In drum roll. Human cheese. Ew. That's right, folks. Cheese made from humans. Yum. Because you can milk anything with nipples. Can you milk me? You got nipples? Yep. I can milk you. Get in there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But people have made cheese out of women's breast milk. Yeah. It's a thing. Some chefs actually cook with it, mm. like, as a specialty on their menu, I've, in my research, have found. Um, actually, apparently... A chef on MasterChef cooked Gordon Ramsay breast milk mac and cheese and then served it to him, but then told him after, which is like a ballsy ass move, dude. Every time I think about Gordon Ramsay, I think about that meme where he has the slices of bread and he puts it on the people's head, like on either side of it. (laughs) And he's like, what are you? They're like, I'm an idiot sandwich. I love it so much. It's like the biggest, best I'm insult an idiot sandwich. of all time. It's amazing. You can also make human cheese. Not only, well, breast milk is like the obvious choice because of it's milk and you make cheese with milk, whatever. There's nothing really special with that. It's basically the same shit. It's just like, oh, okay. It just comes from a woman. Yeah. But you can also make human cheese using microbes from humans. Love that. 
So apparently milk is transformed into curds by using a unique starter culture or bacteria. Right. And this bacteria is very similar to bacteria that develops on human skin. Mm. That's, oh, I love where you're going with this. I mean, that's why sometimes cheese smells like dirty feet because the bacteria is very similar. And this human bacteria can also be used to turn milk into cheese. <laughs> Would you eat human cheese? It depends on the human. Depends on the human. You don't get sure. to meet him. It's like, oh, hi. I want to meet him. Hi, I'm Mark. Oh, these are my microbes. I call them microbes. <laughs> um. <laughs> I would eat Mark's microbes. I would eat Mark's microbes too. He sounds kind of nice. He yeah. sounds like a man yes. that makes shoes. Yeah. Yeah. M- mozzarella Mark. That's what they call him. Margarella. Margarella. <laughs> British scientists and cheesemakers at the London Biolab Open Cell decided that it would be normal and fine to do this with five celebrities. Okay. For funsies. <laughs> They're like, who's the most famous people we can get microbes from? <laughs> they collected bacteria from the celebrities' armpits, okay. their ears, mm-hmm. their noses, mm-hmm. and their belly buttons. They okay. then grew this bacteria in a lab until it was suitable enough to start making some cheese out of it. Now, I noticed you only listed four parts of a body, but there were five celebrities. Mm. So I'd like to think that the fifth microbe came from right underneath someone's ball sack. Ball sack microbes? You were thinking it. I was. I was saying before it. You even, before you even gestured with the cupping you of knew. your hand <laughs> that you just did. I did. Sorry. Definitely did that. <laughs> Before you did that, I knew Uh, what you were going to say. Oh, yeah. But I don't know who any of these celebrities are. Um, I don't know. Are they celebrities? Maybe our English listeners will, but I'll name them off. If you guys know these these weird microbe celebrities, let us know. (laughs) So they made cheddar cheese from Suggs. Suggs? Is that a person? He's the singer for the ska band Madness. Okay. Not a ska fan, but hey, never heard of this guy either. We were talking about ska earlier we today, were. actually. That's weird. Life imitates art. It does. <laughs> they made Cheshire cheese from Alex Jones. From Alex James. I'm glad they didn't make it from Alex Jones. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's disgusting. I would not eat Alex Jones's cheese. I wouldn't. Alex James. Hard, hard no for me, Alex Jones cheese. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Fuck. And Alex James not Jones, is the bassist for the band Blur. Never heard of it. I neither. Me neither. But okay. They made Comte cheese from celebrity chef Heston Blumenthal. Uh, the name Blumenthal reminds me of Belinda Blumenthal. Who Who is that? She's the main character from that incredible podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they made Stiltlin. Stiltlon? Stilton? Stilts, Stiltlan. I've only ever heard it called Stilton. Stilton. But maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. Maybe I wrote it wrong. I don't know. You man. know what? It could be a lightest situation. We it's don't probably know. a big lightest situation. It's probably a lightest situation. Yeah. I tend to do that a lot. They made that cheese from Great <laughs> British. 
from Great British Bake Off runner-up and food writer Ruby Tando. Oh, I know who that is. Do you? I follow her on Instagram. Okay, I'm yeah. not a great British Bake Off person, so okay. I don't know. And then they made mozzarella cheese from rapper Professor Green. Sounds made up. Rapper Professor Green said he chose mozzarella because he hates cheese. Oh, I hate cheese. <laughs> and that's the only cheese he can almost tolerate. I can which almost tolerate it. I think is the most shocking fact about this entire episode is that a man named Professor Green. Named Professor Green. Who? Rapper Professor Green. Famous a British rapper. rapper Professor Green. Says he can almost tolerate mozzarella but hates every other cheese. Did he have to eat the cheese? That's insane. That's unhinged. I don't believe him. It's the craziest thing person. in this whole episode. Doesn't make any sense. How he can hate cheese is beyond me. There are two things in life that you must love. Mm-hmm. And that those are dogs yep. and cheese. Yeah. Even if you're a vegan... There's great vegan cheeses yeah. now. You used to eat cheese, and I bet you loved it. You did. And if you don't like either of those things, you are a serial killer. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. You are a serial killer. Certified serial killer. I'll even let you switch out dog for a cat if you're a cat person. But You have to like pets, is what we're saying. You have to like those things, or mm-hmm. you're a killer, mm-hmm. is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, cheese and critters. Anyways... According to the museum, the project was done to reframe microbes because most people think of microbes as harmful pathogens. Uh, I know I did. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, I never think about microbes. I mean, so. Your eyes got all crazy when you said that. <laughs> but so they did this experiment to show that they actually help form us and they feed us and they protect us okay so they're like you know that thing you think is really gross what if we mixed it with cow juice and made you eat it and made it into cheese professor green's micro rapper professor green i'm so sorry it's that's his title professional rapper (laughs) professor green professor green and a guy named skuggs If you're not willing to eat scugs, Suggs. I'm so sorry. Wait, was it scugs? I don't <laughs> even know. know. If you're not willing to eat sug or scugs <laughs> microbes, then what will you eat? I don't know. Well, the aforementioned cheese, they were not tasted because as of 2019, they still needed to be sequenced to determine whether or not the bacteria was safe for consumption. Oh, okay, so they're like, are you afraid of microbes? Let's show you that it's not scary. But then they're like, we're not sure if you can eat it. And I also couldn't find if they ever determined that it was edible. Okay, so they just threw away all of this. Or if anyone cheese. ate the cheese. Yeah, like this article was from 2019. Oh, and then you know someone tried it. I found another article that was also from 2019, and I still couldn't figure out whether or not anyone consumed this cheese i hope someone had a little nibble you know that there like was a little like, lick a cat was, lick you know yeah there was like a janitor okay maybe he's like cleaning up the halls of this like little lab or whatever and he walks in and he finds a very complicated uh equation on the board right is this the plot to goodwill hunting no and he's like i don't have time for that look at all this cheese i could be eating oh, so okay. he turns around and he tries some of the cheese okay he's like oh i was hungry and my wife forgot to pack me lunch mm. so he has some of this cheese right and then he goes home and then he gets super sick doesn't show up to work the next day okay doesn't show up the day after mm-hmm. on the third day he comes in they're like wow you look like shit he's like yeah i'm lactose intolerant and there was all this cheese everywhere <laughs> and i ate it but it looked so good it smelled like this woman from great british bake off so i tried some and they're like, you ate all the cheese. And he was like, yeah. And then they threw out all the data because they didn't want anyone to know. Mm. 
And then he went home and he had a beer with his best friend, Ben Affleck. Yes. Who is his best friend? <laughs> ben Affleck. I like that story. Thank you. It's real. It happened. Mm, totally. Totally happened. I did find a review about what breast milk tastes like. Really? If anyone's interested. I'm interested. So this is from a famed foodie and critic, Gael Green. Okay. And they said it was quite bland. Mm. Slightly sweet. Okay. The mild taste overwhelmed by the accompanying apricot preserves... And a sprinkle of paprika. Okay, so they didn't just try the cheese. It's the unexpected texture that's so off-putting. Strangely soft. Bouncy. Like panna cotta. So So it's like boring panna cotta. Boring panna cotta. But I I mean, he spiced it up with apricot and paprika. I would eat the shit out of that. I would try breast milk cheese. I would try too. Yeah. There is also a cheese called Limburger cheese, Mm -hmm. which apparently smells like armpits. Yeah. It originated in Europe, but it ferments by having bacteria smeared on top of it. Because if there's one thing that sounds delicious, it's smearing bacteria Mm. on your food. Yum. This is the same type of bacteria that you'd find on a smelly armpit. I love that. Hence, the smell. Gross. So I'd say human cheese probably tastes like that, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Apparently, mosquitoes are attracted to this cheese because it smells like a human. Oh, my God. If you're not smelly, do mosquitoes not want to bite you? I don't know. I think it has to do with your blood type and, like, oh. other things. Actually, mosquitoes don't go after me. They love me. They hate me. Am I smelly? I've never smelled you. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we just proved that that's not but the But I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But with all the weird cheese we've talked about in this episode, I think I would still prefer each and every one of them to an American craft single. Uh, you know? I'm going to second that one for you. Yeah. Oh, there was one more cheese that I wanted to talk about that I didn't put in here okay. because I just read about it like a day ago. Mm. Um, the oldest cheese sold in the United States was a 40-year-old cheddar that a man that owned a cheese shop in mm. Wisconsin um, actually, where my grandma lives, Okano, Wisconsin. Really? Mm-hmm. He found this this wheel of cheese in the back of his refrigerator. Okay. He was like, oh, I'm closing my cheese shop. So he like was selling all this cheese, and he's like, what is this? And he took it out, and it was 40-year-old cheddar. Mm-hmm. Tried a piece. He's like, this is fine. And then he sold it to people. And apparently it was delicious. Was it expensive? It was wildly expensive. Because it was aged so yeah. long? Yeah, 40 years. That's the oldest aged cheese? in That was sold in America. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. American cheese, the oldest American cheese. I wonder cheese. if all of those people then went home and shit their brains out. Oh, they absolutely did. <laughs> we There's didn't, no way. That part wasn't in the article. It was But not. we all know it happened. It, yeah. It fucking happened. Yeah. It happened. There we have it. Weird cheese. Thank you for humoring me through this one. And if any of you have tried any of these weird cheeses or would try any of these weird cheeses or maybe have like a weird cheese story, we want to hear about it. So let us know. We are running actually, we're running a little low on listener mail. We are. So So send us your listener stories to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Yeah, just like spam our inbox, quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. With weird shit. Weird cheese. We have a listener mail today that I chose because they agreed with me and did not agree with you. Oh, wow. Well, then fuck this person. You know what's so so funny about this? I'm just kidding. I love you. What I love the most about this episode is that we've been, like, fighting through the whole thing. Joke with love. Oh, no, we never fight. We don't actually ever fight. 
Um, it's just it's making me laugh, and I like it. Yeah, this yeah. is a very aggressive episode. It's aggressive. It's because we're getting conspiracy-ish, and we're just like hyping each other up. And it's we're just like fucking weird. We got a belly full of cheese in us, you yeah. know. Belly full of white dog cheese in me. <laughs> <laughs> we each ate a block before this episode to like we're pump ourselves up. Fucking hopped up on Gouda right now. <laughs> you gonna bring the demons out of me? <laughs> All right. So this listener says. What's this listener's name? I didn't put it at the top of the show. John. John L. John L. John, you are a Patreon member. Hello, John. What is up? We have read his stories before, um, but he sent us a bunch of them, so we're just going to oh, read yeah. another Oh, yeah. He's one. got a lot of good ones. The real good ones. So he starts, hi, Nicole and Noel. Hello. This one is about sleep paralysis. Mm. I know sleep paralysis is usually because of lack of sleep and et cetera. Mm. However, this was slightly different. I was in college and I had a roommate. I had just finished watching The Grudge, the American version, Mm. around 10 p.m. I went to sleep and then I woke up. I heard water dripping, but I could not move my body. I had trouble breathing. My room door was opening, but I could not yell or make a noise to ask my roommates for help. I started hearing the grudge throat guttural noise in my ear. I don't think I've ever seen the grudge, have I? Is it the well one? No, that's the one with the little boy and the cat. Oh, I've never seen that. Sarah Michelle Gellar is in it. No, I've never seen that. It's a good one. Is it? The Yeah, the originals matter, but and uh, I always are. Okay. Uh, he continues, all while it feels like something is sitting on my chest, preventing me from breathing. I was thinking that this was sleep paralysis. I finally broke out of it when my roommate came into my room to borrow a pen when he saw me with my eyes open, struggling to breathe. The moment he shook my arm, everything was breathing fine again. My friend grabbed one of my pens and left my room. I was right behind him, making my way outside to get some air. I walked past my roommate's room and we both heard the sound of change hitting my desk. I could literally turn around and see my door so nobody was playing a prank on me. We both went back to my room and saw my cup filled with change had been tipped over. The odd part is that the cup of change was on my desk in front of my keyboard with nothing close to affect its position. This was weird since there were no earthquakes and the cup was half full on a flat surface. No idea what was going on, but I did not sleep that night. Yeah. It was the only time that I have ever had a sleep paralysis episode. So that's super spooky. That's, I don't know. That doesn't sound like sleep paralysis. That sounds like, I don't know. Like a diamond? Like a diamond. Something like it. Like a diamond. Yeah. So he has a bunch of other stories that we'll read periodically throughout. Um, But he ends it with, wish you all the best. P.S. Nicole. I agree with Noelle (laughs) on the fact that you shouldn't want paranormal things to happen. They will happen when you least suspect them to happen, but they are quite rare. Mm. Try to play defense after you do experience it, though. You never know if it's a good ghost or some asshole ghost. Well, actually, funny story. I had the first and only time I've had sleep paralysis has been in this house. This is a very haunted house. This haunted house. This is a haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, probably a lot of the paranormal experiences that have happened in my life have Mm -hmm. happened since I moved in here. Really? So, You always wanted to live in a haunted house. And it's only been, what, like six months? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff has been, have, has been happening to me Mm -hmm. and I welcome it all. 
we had a listener DM us the other day, um, mm-hmm. and they were like, I think that your attic isn't really haunted. I think that you just think it's haunted because you do a spooky podcast up there. I was like, oh, babe, this house has been haunted long before we started this podcast. Yeah, this, is ha- this house is like 100 years old. So. Yeah. Seen many uh, occupants. She's hella haunted. Yeah. If you have a cool haunty story or again a cheese story. Um cheese story. We'll we'll take cheese stories too. We will take literally any story. What is like the best cheese you've ever eaten? Have you ever eaten eaten? Have you ever eaten a haunted cheese? Oh. What? Like maybe like Buddha? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways, send us some freaking listener mails to quite unusualpod at gmail.com. And we also haven't gotten an Apple review in a really long time. Oh my time. god, so long. So shoot us one of those because we love reading them. We love them. We don't so even care much. about our ratings. We just want to hear what you guys have to say. I know. We just want to hear compliments. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty. You know. Yeah, call us. Yeah, leave us a review, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. Ooh, tell your friends about us too. Tell your friends. We'd appreciate that. That's, obviously, you guys are our brand of weird. So yeah. Yeah. Also, if you would like to support the pod with your wallet, hit us up on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash quite unusual pod, I think. Or you can just search us. Mm-hmm. Quite unusual. You know our name. And actually, we want to welcome a few of our new patrons. So welcome, Meg. Welcome, Danielia. And welcome, Aaliyah. Welcome to the coven. Welcome to the coven. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And while you're at it, keep it unusual. Part of the show where we will give praise to the all knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all around benevolent beings. Spencer W., who got on a pirate ship, traveled the ocean blue, and wouldn't you know it, he saw a sea serpent. Oh, a bit sad, isn't it? To Tim M., the conductor of the Cincinnati Ghost Train. Mm. Never heard of the Cincinnati Ghost Train? Good. You're not supposed to if you're still living. Savannah L. Cannot be outside during a full moon. Not because she's a werewolf, but because she's allergic to moonbeams. Oh no! So sad. So sad. Mm. Dylan B., who is one of the original Ghostbusters. Dylan has since given up his ghost-busting ways and now considers himself to be a ghost Bestie. Hmm, well, I guess I won't call you next time, Dylan B. Don't call him. Justin W., a.k.a. Justin the Friendly Ghost. Turns out he's not a ghost. He is just really pale. Oh my god, but he's so friendly. He's so friendly. He's so friendly. So nice. Jess H., who opened the door to what they thought was a Girl Scout, but was actually a black-eyed kid. Mm. Luckily, they were busy scrolling through Instagram, and the black-eyed kid was unable to use their mind control effectively, so Jess survived. 
But she didn't get to buy any thin mints. No, and those are the best cookies. So good. Evan Kay, who can name every planet in the known universe, and make sure to always call Pluto a planet, because Pluto deserves it. Honestly, this is a pro-Pluto podcast. Yes, yes. KGT, a cosmic bowling champion whose secret weapon is to use a bowling ball full of tiny little gremlins that control the movement of the ball. Katie has never lost a game thanks to her little gremlins. Mm, How cute. Adam Kay, a changeling capable of looking like any being, alive or dead. But honestly, it just seems like too much effort these days. I mean, it's like a whole thing, you know. Yeah. Christina N., a bone collector, Mm. who is always at the quest for the rarest and most shocking specimens. Rumor has it, she is making a throne out of bones for her new office chair. Mm, Stylish. Kelsey C., a ghost hunter who only uses their EVP to have rousing conversation about today's current events with spirits they encounter. That's so nice of them, to keep them updated. Mm, Yes. John S., who adopted several of the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins as his own children, and is now training them into an army to do his evil bidding? Well, that kind of took a turn, didn't it? Well, I support him. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Caitlin R. cannot stop thinking about how teeth are bones, but they are on the outside of her body, and... Oh, that's upsetting. I never thought about that. Thank you to all our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We're not worthy. We are not worthy. We're not worthy. I mean, but keep keep paying us on Patreon. We are worthy of that. We're worthy of that, yes. Yes, but, but, but everything else, we are not. Oh, we're, we're not. not worthy. We're not. 